You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. So yesterday is week five of Braden's indoor karting league. So it's the second half. It's an eight-week league. So they're... Second half, everyone's gearing up to go, and as we're sitting there getting ready to leave, my mom walks into the house to check and see if we're going, and Mira, our five-year-old, if you're keeping track at home, our youngest, is walking behind her super proud. She's holding this new koala stuffed animal that she got. She spent her own money on it, so she's all proud about it, and my mom's like, all right, we just learned everything there is to know about koalas. Baby koalas are the size of, and Mira goes, a human penis. (laughs) Everyone pauses for a second and then loses their mind. My mom, who, if you know her, is not an inappropriate person, never would have told. She's like, no, 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 that's not what I said. I said a peanut, a peanut. And Mira said, yeah, a human one. (laughs) No, peanut. Oh, my goodness. Which she didn't know. Mira, as a little kid, thought the word was peanut, and we thought it was so cute we never corrected her. (laughs) My mom was hung out to dry on, but just like hearing this little girl announce, a baby koala is the size of a human penis. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. She's, uh... And she didn't know. She it wasn't her comedic uh, timing there. It was uh, she thought that you know, Okay. No, no. She she was just totally confident in her answer and delivered it seriously. But I, what would she have been thinking as my mom was instructing her in these facts? Uh huh. <laughs> this is a weird comparison, Depends Grandma. Depends who you are, I guess. If if that's an accurate answer or not, Bracken. Mm-hmm. Don't need to get into that though, do we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll, no, leave we that, we'll leave that one right there. That kicked off my night last night. So now you all know a fact about baby koalas. Peanut. Wait, a peanut in the shell, I'm hoping? Peanut, peanut in the shell? Like a peanut? Not like a <laughs> little peanut? Could be a circumcised peanut. We don't know. Deshelled? Yeah, that's I don't a, know. No, circumcised, I think, is what they say. Mm, that's a good start. I didn't know that. That's where we were going. But you got to get your phallic things in as quick as you can. As quick as you can. Early and often. <laughs> I'm in scramble mode. I uh, I have a wedding in less than two months. I think I told you this. Actually, I did tell you this because you yes, had an invite. Yes, you do. And you RSVP'd yes. Mm-hmm. Literally. With all my heart, yes. Eight weeks. We're doing it. Everybody's like, is this a shotgun wedding? Is there a bun in the oven or something like that? In two months? Like, nope, that's actually not it at all. It's just how it's working out date-wise so the people we want to be there can make it. And I was really happy to hear that you and the kids and I can see Mira's little sass and can make it. It's going to be sweet. There's going to be a little OCR reunion mm-hmm. at this thing, maybe just a little bit. Excellent. I don't stay in touch with too many of the guys like close enough to invite them to the wedding, but there's a handful. So we'll see mm-hmm. we'll see who all turns up. But it could be a nice little – might have to get the, the ski hill action going on together. When you sent it that it was at Highland, I thought this is this is gonna be quite a wedding. <laughs> yeah, it's uh so it's wedding attire but uh from the ankles up and then running attire from the ankles down. And then we're gonna things are gonna get weird if that's cool with you. My grandma's gonna have a hell of a time, but she'll figure it out. I'm gonna put her into the ground. <laughs> you were uh okay. Um anything else updated? We uh we've been running into this issue, listeners, lately, where our guests bail last minute. It 
or there is a recording issue. And I think what we need to do, Bracken, as hosts is we always have backup options. And of course, we have one today. Um, however, maybe, you know, recording the week of releases isn't the best idea because things like this can happen. We should be a week ahead. We should be a week ahead. Podcasting's hard. It really is. It's a tough life. And you know what I've been doing? So if the listeners want to peek behind the curtains a little bit, so I've been swinging a little bigger as far as trying to get guests we have. And it seems like bigger meaning like a stage beyond OCR or a, a, a world or national known stage. Often we'll get messages, right, Bracken, about like, you should totally have Galen Rupp on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, I know we should try getting a hold of him and him saying, yes, I've been rejected or ignored by more pro athletes mm-hmm. than you can imagine. But it seems like the higher you swing, if you do get somebody to schedule, they're also more likely to prioritize something else and bail. So I'm navigating through that. If any of you, any PR people out there have any ideas for me, let me know. So that's what we're working on right now. Or connections. Or connections. Yeah. I golfed with a guy yesterday who's, and I'm going to use this connection, his sister's husband... Is Joe Klecker's brother? Oh, sweet. So we got a Klecker in. He was our caddy playing golf, which is not a regular thing for me. And so we exchange info, and I'm like, can I? Can you, like, hook me and Joe Klecker up? Like, those are the type of people I'm trying to get a hold of. So hang hang tight on that one. I will. He just ran a good 5K. They ran fast, right? In fact, I don't think he's raced poorly in, like, a year. Yeah. Dude's very consistent. Um. Speaking of racing, the NCAAs are going on right now. Do you know where you can watch that, if anywhere? I don't. So for those of you who aren't, who didn't listen to Race Brain, I've been roofing all week. It was foolish. Our insurance company kind of surprised us that we can't re-up unless we have a new roof. And um, we have till like the end of the month to do it. But we're out of town the next few weeks. So I've just like jumped into roofing mode. So, like, my athletes aren't getting any attention from me. My family doesn't see me. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to scramble and get this done because the bids were outrageously high and I'm way too stingy and cheap for that. So I haven't paid any attention. I haven't done any of my research. I'm going, I'm riding blind right now, Kirk, and I'm no help to anyone. Tell, tell the good people of the running public, uh, the shoes required to roof. <laughs> oh, we have a decent pitch and old asphalt shingle. So it's so slick that I've been roofing in VJs. VJ Sport. I started in the Ultras and then I had to switch to the Ice Hero for a while because it was the only thing that would dig in to avoid me dying while tearing the roof off. Now once we're putting it on, I'm out of VJs because you can't be tearing up the new shingles, but mm-hmm. Ice Heroes and Ultras is what I was roofing in. Shout out VJ. I use my VJ shoes more for other things that require grip than running. I was telling Bracken before we started to record I painted my parking structure, which is sheet metal across the street from my house. I couldn't stay on the thing with any shoes. I had trail shoes on. I put on my VJ Sparks that were a a size too big, so I can't really use them. Stuck just like tape. So I I painted my roof in VJs because uh, the Spark is what did the trick, but there's now green paint on them. So they're this green-orange combo. Uh, What are you checking out there? Are we going to dive into this today or what? I think we are yeah all right do you want to kick it off or should i uh should i let the people know what's happening today or should we just roll <laughs> you can let them know what we're doing uh 
we're gonna have a, a BS session, but we're gonna ask each other. Um, you better not have questions, by the way. Bracken's idea was to uh, look up speed. Dating I just pulled questions. up questions. Oh God, are they speed dating questions? Yep. <laughs> two years ago, we did get to know your host. I think or two and a half, and we have a lot of new, lot of new guests through there since then. Our followers and. A lot of the people still don't really, really know us, and I feel the same way about you. Like I've, you're my closest friend. I would say you're my business partner. I'm about to be the maid of honor in your wedding, and yet we've only seen each other in person like five or six times in our life. Weird, isn't it? Weird. Yeah. So I think a little speed dating is necessary. <laughs> you're gonna. Uh, you're the flower girl, by the way. Sorry to break it to you. Fine by me. Yeah, you're the flower girl, and you're going to get ordained. I will happily wed you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, that is true. Every time I see you when we get together, because we don't, and maybe we've seen each other in person at eight times, maybe. Yeah, let's just say an even ten, ten. maybe ten. We spent five races. Decent, yeah, distance makes the heart grow fonder. I guess. Yeah. Huh. That is weird to think about. I see you twice a week at minimum via a screen, but so infrequently in person. It's sad. And because we haven't been racing the same circuits, like if it were Spartan of old and we were doing the series, we'd see each other every weekend, every race weekend and get to hang. But because we've shifted and you've been injured and I've been doing other things, we would have seen each other all the time. It's kind of strange how that works. Yeah, it is. We're almost like pen pals. We're video pen pals. I don't think that's how you would describe it. But deeper, much deeper. Um, okay, so uh, do you want to do you want to start or do you want me to start? Do you have anything you want to fire off? You look like you got something in the chamber you like. So with that shit eating grin on your face, I have two hundred and fifty one questions here that I can pick from, Kirk. Okay, and what did you look up? Speed dating questions? Is that it? Yep. <laughs> well, no, I just don't think it's fair if you have this list of questions that you can see and then also. Uh, Think about your answer if I were to then say, okay, you know, you answer that, Bracken. Like, that's not cool. I, you need to have some things out of left field. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not going to read through them. I'm just going to scroll, look, say something, and go on. I'm not going to prepare at all. Okay. All right. I'm on momjunction.com. What are you on? Momjunction.com. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> Which I'm not yeah. proud to have in my search history. My browser history. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, there could, should be some clarifying there. If somebody stumbles upon that. Uh, all right, I'm going right, to start. I'll kick off, Kirk. Okay. <laughs> you start, Mom Junction. Right. Go ahead. There's 250 questions on www.momjunction.com. So. I wonder if these are all geared towards m- single moms dating. <laughs> it probably is. This makes this even better. Uh, how do your friends describe you in a word? Oh, I, I don't know, Kirk. That is a terrible question to have to answer. You are not a man of a singular word. Indecisive? That's how your friends would describe you? Indecisive? That's the one thing that would lead the way? No, but in terms of I can't decide on what they would choose to call me. Um... I would hope it's quality. Quality. Not quantity. Yeah, just a quality human being. Okay, quality is the word that your friends would use. Friends don't get me in quantity. <laughs> That's fair, but when they do. I don't know. All right. That's very difficult. I would like to think that they just would choose some sort of word that would describe that I'm just a a good overall person to have in your life. Mensch. Yeah. Okay. 
What about you? What would your friends describe you as? One word. Uh, you know the truth. Uh, I don't know. It depends which friend you are, you know? Because one would be like ridiculous. Go with the negative first. Ridiculous because that is often the case, which you only get a small glimpse of that on the podcast. But I am actually going to say I think my friends would probably describe me as either goofy or the opposite of that, which would be like – I want to say disciplined. Like I'm with that, like that, with I think they would say like, if you're going to describe him, you might use that word. I think, I think they would, the friends I know. Goofy or disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a weird combo. But okay. I think so. Yeah. You started with ridiculous. What did you mean by that? Uh, I meant goofy, I guess like non ridiculous is okay. in like, I'll bring something up that doesn't really make sense. Nor why would I at the expense of, uh, or with the hope of a rise, I guess, uh, with the intent, we'll call it. I would say that. Well, let's try this out for size then. Okay. You're my friend. Mm-hmm. Choose one word to describe me. What would it be? <laughs> You're going to have to fill some dead space on this podcast if I have to think about this. One word to describe you. Huh. What are you? I'm yeah. an enigma, Kirk. Is that the word? No, it's not. It's not it's not really fair to have to do that, but huh. What are you? I'm gonna say conversationalist. And that's the nature of our but you are a conversationalist to a T. Every time we get together to run, there is no airspace. Anytime we do this, you are a great conversationalist. And I'm gonna so I'm gonna say conversationalist. I will accept that. Mm-hmm. I will wear that badge of honor. No. I'm not a dick, so and I'm not going to ask yours? you. Oh, you want to do oh, it? Oh, go okay. ahead. No, I'm saying I'm not a dick. I'm not going to put you in that position. Well, I just did. So I guess I guess you just tell me what you really think about me. <laughs> no, I think conversationalist. I'm going with that. That feels right. I would skew towards towards that other descriptor your friend said. Disciplined, I don't think would would be it, but it would be business-like. It'd be like all business. I, the, the, the trend in your life seems to be like you identify something and you just – approach it seriously not that you're not a goofball throughout it or funny or yeah i get what you're saying or ridiculous but you're like you just stick to your script yeah i do very that's very accurate yeah objective go towards that objective without yeah that's very me yeah um okay do you want to ask one or i got one i'll ask one number 22 the question is do you work out your answer should you be no, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I train. Yeah. All right. Here's one for you. Have you ever been kicked out of any place? Yep. Have you been kicked out of multiple places? Yep. <laughs> Let's hear them. I'm excited for these answers. Uh, the first time was at a bar in Uptown Minneapolis called Stella's. And I was minding my own business, very drunk, I'm sure. It was a Friday night in my bachelor days. Stella's has three floors and a rooftop bar. It was close to where I lived. And the bouncers came up and dragged me the F out of that place for who knows what reason. And they, well, I know what reason, because they thought I was somebody who peed in the stairwell. They're like, you pissed in the stairwell. You're, And I'm like, I didn't, and I was getting mad at them for... Um, misidentifying me, we will call it, 
because I did not do that. So I got kicked mm-hmm. out of a bar for peeing in the stairwell, which I did not do. So that would be the the one that stings the most. Okay, that's not bad. And then another time, I got punched. I got punched square in the nose. Uh, I was dating a girl, and after everybody had been had gone out, we went to an apartment room, and there were it was a guy's like a friend of hers, and this gentleman did not like me very much. I don't think there was something going on there that I didn't quite understand. And he was being a dick, and I don't really put up with that well. And he clocked me square in the nose through the door into the hallway, lights out. And I call that getting kicked out. And I just went home. I didn't even. I just like went old home. Western out of the saloon. Yep, literally. So I count that as my second kick. These are those are the blurry days, man. I don't miss those days for those reasons. But that was well over a decade, about a decade ago. So how about you? Have you ever been? That's it. I can think. So kind of. Do those count? Yeah, I mean, I suppose. What about you? Have you ever been? When I was a kid, I did almost nothing wrong as a kid. Nothing truly wrong. Oh, whatever. Truly. I, I I was a rule follower, and the fear of being in trouble really kept me out of most trouble. But for whatever reason, in like probably sixth and seventh grade, at the end of a day's swimming at McCarty Park uh, Public Pool, we would shotgun off the diving board and get kicked out. That was our exit out of the pool. Like everyone would run. It's one at a time on the diving board or you're out of there. And you would just run machine gun fire right off of it, like six or seven guys in a row. And then they'd be like, you're out of here. And then we go home. How old <laughs> It was like the naughtiest then? thing I did as a kid. That's naughty. <laughs> it's probably like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And I don't, I don't know why. And it was so exhilarating. Yeah. Breaking the law is awesome. The law of the pool. And then I got kicked out of a bar in college. Uh, why? What'd you do? I think I may have told you this story. My younger brother, my only brother, Macaulay, was in town. And at the time, he had a buzz cut and I had a hair and had a buzz cut. And we look similar enough that at a bar, if you've seen one of us and you see the other, you might think he's the other. Mm-hmm. And he went around all night running his mouth to people and announcing that his name was Bracken Crocker. <laughs> Just intentionally stirring things up. And eventually it got to the point where I looked over and some guy was like shoving him or something. And I kind of just like older brother lost it. Yep. yep. And I uh, got kicked out of the bar shortly after. You can be mean to my face. You can be a dick to me. You can even be physical with me at this day and age. And you won't get me to flinch anymore. But you lay a hand no. or be mean to somebody I care about. And pff, I'm putting my hair back. My claws are coming out for sure. Whew. And I didn't know that. And I'm 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 one of those people that generally in states of conflict is is calmer. And I didn't know this about me, but I kind of just like lost it. And I I'd never really had that in my life, and it was weird. Was it like an out of body experience almost, as I would describe it? It's on autopilot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like as it was happening, I was aware of it, but I wasn't really at the wheel. So that was the first time that ever happened to me. And I don't know if it's really happened since. And what's amazing about those moments, which I've had a few in my life, is you feel nothing. Like you could actually be run over by a car, let's say, and I don't think you would feel it in those circumstances. Like I just don't, I think the adrenaline overrides the pain sensory system Hmm. and you probably didn't, I don't know if anything, any swings got at you, but you probably didn't feel much if it did. It's like you're invincible for a brief period of time. I don't think I got hit. Hmm. 
but it, it was yeah so i got i got kicked out of a bar and i deserved it hmm. you can't behave like that <laughs> I, I don't think i deserved be, being kicked out um okay there's some really good ones in here that i think are funny it's All my right. tu- it's my Move turn <laughs> what are you hiding now what am i hiding uh-huh what are you hiding now you're tough Come on, confessional corner. Remember we used to have confessional corner on this podcast? I'm trying to think. Because I don't do much, so I don't have much to hide. Mm. Um, maybe maybe I'm hiding a dissatisfaction with my daily schedule. Oh. Okay, yeah. What about it? I don't like it right now. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm straddling two different styles of daily schedule. And I'm doing a poor job balancing it well. Uh, I feel like I can be better at everything if I just refine my day-to-day operations. And I haven't really been discussing it with anyone or almost hoping like it just settles itself out. But maybe that's what I'm hiding is like kind of a deep dissatisfaction with my daily schedule. Hmm. Okay. Because I want to do more of several things, but I'm not, I'm still operating under my old schedule and I'm not fitting things in well. And I'm, I'm not being efficient with things and I can feel it starting to affect things. That's the trickle when your business morphs or you get busier or priorities shift in profession, like refiguring all that out. I had a lot of growing pains these last few years between COVID slowing down in the gym, coaching more athletes, um, all of that as well. I agree. And then you're out of rhythm a little bit if you don't feel like you have a solid schedule and you're less productive that way. It's exactly right. Hmm. I don't know if I'm hiding anything. I'm sure I am. When I met Jerry Springer, I hung out with Jerry Springer and I told the story on here before when I was a host on the CW network. And he, he said, I can take anybody off the street, including you, and we can make a show around you. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. We could find a way to hmm. t- an angle on something in your life to put you on my TV show. Rest in peace, Jerry, by the way. I think he just passed in the last couple months. But I'm I'm hiding one medium shirt here that I don't think is on our uh on our uh quantities <laughs> inventory list. And I haven't told you about it because I might want it. Oh. So there, I'm hiding. You might want to pop the sleeves off or something. Yeah, it's in this box here. I don't know how it got missed, but there's there's my confession. Okay, I have a quandary right now with my shirts. I have all mediums, and I've outgrown them. They don't sit right on me anymore. But I don't know if I'm ready to progress into the world of larges, and I don't know if I'm going to stay at this weight. So I haven't wore a long sleeve running public shirt in probably a month. Because I don't like how they fit. We don't have long sleeve running public shirts. Oh, uh, I mean one with sleeves on a t-shirt. The cutoffs, I'll wear anything. But like out in public, in a t- it feels like it's I'm wearing a, a baby gap shirt. You're that big, huh? The larges aren't that big, so I not think- that big. It's just the mediums were snug in all the right places, and then I gained enough weight that now it looks like you're wearing too small of a shirt, guy. <laughs> so no, I'm not that big. It's just. It was right in the sweet spot, and now it's no longer. Yeah, I'm still right in the sweet spot because I'm skinny for me right now. So it's all good. What was your – were you going to have a question? Yeah. 
It's two-parter. First crush and celebrity crush. Because um, if I'm speed dating you, I want to know what your type is. Who's your? I think your celebrity crush says something about who your type is. Uh, my first crush was a girl by the name of uh, Jennifer Vanderwalker. And she went to my elementary That's school. That's a mouthful of a name. I like it. Yeah, and she, we did like our... Uh, she was just stunning, I thought. I mean, she's like a seven-year-old or eight-year-old, however old we were, but I couldn't stop looking at her. I just couldn't help myself. And then mm-hmm. on our talent show day or our whatever, I think we all had to do something in front of the class, and she was a dancer. And she came out in her little leotard and put the boom box on, and she did a little skit, and I'd never seen anything so pretty in my entire life. I thought about Jennifer Vanderwalker every day for like six years. I even tried to save up enough money to. Oh, that's a long one. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, all through elementary school till fifth, probably first through fifth grade. She doesn't know this. I haven't. I don't think I ever spoke with her because then we switched schools and I was too shy to be like, "You're beautiful." But I saved up money thinking I was going to buy a dancing leotard for her, and then show up to school one day and be like, "Here," because I thought that would have been the way to her heart. But I never, <laughs> I never, never got yeah. the courage up. So that's my first crush. Uh, Again, I don't even know if we ever spoke words to each other. I don't know, but she was that thing that, you know, that thing that I I lusted for before I knew what lust was. What about you? Six years is a lot of lust. Whatever, five years, elementary school. Well, that was like most of your life if you started at seven. (laughs) That's a At that time, yeah. Oh, I thought about her so much. And she, she her, her boyfriend was this guy named Justin. He had dark hair. I had light hair. We both had mullets, but he had a thicker mullet, like a nice one. (laughs) And I think she, and I think she liked that. They'd always play in the playground together. And I was like, it's because his mullet's better than mine. And there's nothing I could do about it. You know, it was just, I got out mulleted. If I could just grow a thicker mullet. (laughs) Maybe if I, maybe if I put some steps in the side, I don't know. My options are pretty limited. Anyways, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mine was definitely Ashley Kidd. Mm. Uh, Sean Carney and I were, were good friends, third and fourth grade, and we shared a crush on her. And we battled for her in ways she was not aware of. And uh, she left our school after sixth grade, crushing our hopes. Ugh. And I think I've said this before, maybe on here, maybe to you, but when I went to take my ACT test, it was at like a a district testing center, mm-hmm. you're seated alphabetically and she was sitting right in front of me because she's kid and I'm Crocker. So our, obviously I'm Crocker Kirk, but sometimes I like to say it out loud and remind people that my last name's not Cracker. Sorry about, sorry about that. Crocker sorry with a K. That. So she alphabetically, she was right in front of me and I could just see her sweatshirt and it said kid on the back. And I knew right away it was her. And then they called out her name, Kid Ashley, and she raised her hand. And I was like, unbelievable. And she turned and passed. You hadn't seen her in six years. Yeah. And she turned and passed my test packet or a pencil or whatever to me. And she was not what I remember her looking like. And I was not attracted to her. That was going to be my question. Isn't that wild? I don't know if my taste had changed or if I was misremembering, but I was not attracted to her in the slightest. And I sat there and thought, like, for the first time, thank God we don't get exactly what we wish for. Because I would have married her on the spot every single day for four straight years. And then I saw her as we were both 17, and I thought, she's not my type. I hope she doesn't listen. I'm not saying she was bad looking, just not my type. But I doubt she listens. Because she wasn't Lisa. She wasn't Lisa. Hmm. 
You ever have a celebrity crush growing up? Uh, no, I, in high school, maybe. Yeah. I was big on the Jennifer Love Hewitt train. <sighs> Who wasn't? Yeah, she was She was the real deal. But in, in adult life, not not really. To be, I mean, I could probably make something up. I guess she's pretty. But but no, I actually, I would say that would have been probably it. Like back in the day, like Mila Kunis or something from that 70s show. I'd be yep. like, oh, yeah, she's too, super cute. But that was like a long time ago. What about you? Uh, yeah, it would have been Jennifer Love Hewitt. It would have been Kristen Stewart when she first came on the scene. And it would have been uh, Kate Beckinsale. Mm. Underworld. Natalie Portman. I used to have a thing for Oof. And then it, interesting, like the common thread is like more of a pale complexion and dark brown hair and like smaller features and petite. And I'm at least on that is pretty much her. So interestingly, my type was very much yeah. embodied by by Lisa, which played out nicely. And then they were all obsolete. Lucky you. Yep. And for the rest of time. Yep. All right. There's a lot of weight on this next question. <laughs> which is your favorite country? My favorite country? <sighs> yep. Moms.com wants to know. <laughs> Uh, favorite country. I would say I might be bad at answering this. I've enjoyed the people most in Ireland. I've enjoyed the mm. overall country the most in Spain. And I think the most stunning land of any country I've ever been to is New Zealand. Yeah, you're well traveled. But I didn't. But I don't know. I mean, the people were fantastic in New Zealand as well. But I didn't. I only saw one city. I didn't see the whole thing. But so if I had to move to one, I think I could move to Ireland or Spain. But I would hold a yearly or twice or four time a year training camp in New Zealand and be a happy man for the rest of my life. Mm, I have not been. So you're uh, you got to pick one. You know what? My just overall favorite. I'm gonna say Ireland. Ireland, it is. Because you have pockets of Spain where people are just kind of pricks sure it's just like us but they're just fantastic delightful people in ireland and i've been to most of the country it's not going to be much of a language transition just have to kind of lean in a little to understand them that's fine i like overcast i like their weather yeah i like rugged trails all right didn't think i was going to answer that way but i did what about you canada canada it's kind of the easiest choice i love Canada. I oh, not logistically, it could be on the other side of the world. I would pick Canada. And it has everything to do with the fact that that country has everything I enjoy doing on a personal mm-hmm. level, the outdoor opportunities. But the people there that I've met in the times that I've had in Canada, it's like there's this laid-back, easygoing, more loose loose morals, we'll call it. <laughs> But yet with like a better overall nature, like they're pleasant, they're funny, they're easygoing, but they're like better humans than Americans, like objectively. Like you have a a good souled human being who might go do some bad stuff once in a while. And I love that about the balance that they have there. I think every some of my favorite people are Canadians and I just really enjoy the people I met who are true Canadians. The way they are. They're they're like good humans, but they're not stiff, if that makes sense. They embrace debauchery. 
a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's just the vibe is good. And the cities there are underrated. Like you can put me in Calgary or Vancouver or Toronto all day, every day. There's just some charm to the the way the Canadian system okay. works on top of it. So Canada, bring me there. Anybody give me a visa, I'll see you there. Are you still not allowed into Canada? I'm allowed into Canada. Why? Oh. Well they during COVID I didn't think you could get there. Oh yeah, now we can go Sweet. Canada now. You're set. Yeah. We're good. Yep. <laughs> I'm not asking you this, but this question as I scroll made me laugh. What do you think about PDA? <laughs> Funny because you're on a dating show and everyone watched you make out and go to a fantasy suite. The camera stopped rolling in the fantasy suite though. In case I, bet they, I bet they have footage. Do you want to know a, a weird I shouldn't be I shouldn't even be telling people this, but um that just reminded me so like when you film some of those reality shows, there are no, there's no privacy, and the last, um, the last show had cameras in all the bedrooms and mm-hmm. all the like. You sign your your thing, and it's you have no privacy. The only place that cameras aren't allowed are the bathroom, but there's microphones in there to pick up if there's secret conversations. But there's no. It's the only place where cameras aren't allowed. So on the last on the last show, if you wanted to get close with somebody. There's a whole boardroom that's monitoring cameras to know if camera crews need to get in somewhere or there's some drama going on. And so there is no privacy. And in fact, that was tested once where I won't say it was me. I won't say it wasn't me. But a shirt was thrown over a camera in a bedroom. And no more than 20 seconds later was the door being knocked down in the middle of whatever was happening and these people were scolded for blocking the camera because that was what we signed up for. So there's some creepy dude in a van or somewhere watching what's happening. That's weird. Talk about PDA. What do you call that? Canadians would be fine with it. That's what we've. That's what I've learned today. <laughs> Maybe. That's what I've learned. All right. What's an extreme activity you've always wanted to do? Are you big into extreme activities, Kirk DeWint? God, for as many trees as I climb in the fall, I got this aversion to heights. And so true rock climbing on real rock faces way up there attached to a rope the size of your pinky in diameter, I feel like that would be big for me to conquer, to go do that and somehow enjoy it. I think that would be hard for me. So that's one for sure. Heights are involved. So I would say that. Yeah. What about you? I don't I don't know if you know this about me. I don't have an attraction to extreme sports. I'm not a I wouldn't say I'm an adrenaline junkie and I prefer to not do things where the negative outcome is serious injury or death. Yeah. So I I don't have like a a, a bucket list of extreme activities because my take on, on on most things in life is no one goes 100% in life. Like You just can't be perfect forever. And I feel the same way about machinery and equipment and anything. And so I just don't have a hankering for things that if they do go wrong, are going to go horrifically wrong. But if I had to choose one, I would choose skydiving. I love the exhilarating feeling of falling or like roller coasters. So I think I would do that. But I don't. Try that off your roof later today. (laughs) It'd be very short. (laughs) 
<laughs> just when you start to do enjoy yourself right. smack so no even rock climbing like i don't i don't go rock climbing because i don't have any desire to i think it's fantastic for those who love it Neither but those aren't I. my those aren't my jams all right have you uh have you ever met anybody famous i'm sure how famous are we talking i don't know it's, it, that's the question this is very vague it's, this is random, but the first that pops to my mind is Mark Davis because he's currently officiating in the NBA Finals. So I sat next to Mark Davis on a flight, and he's actually one of the most disliked NBA referees, but he was a really cool guy. He had been in the military. I was on my way to a Spartan race. He asked about the shirt I was wearing. I asked about what he was doing. Uh, he's done triathlons. He tr- He's in really good. You watch him. He's pretty buff. He's in shape. And we just chatted for like two or three hours on a flight. And he's, I don't know how famous he is, but millions of people are watching him right now. So I just saw him on TV and I told Brandon, I'm like, hey, I sent actually that guy on an airplane. He's like, would he, would he know you? And my answer is always the same when people, when you have someone f- that's more famous than you, would they know you? For me, it's no, but he might remember my name because you only meet one Bracken in your life. And so if you showed him a picture of me, he might be like, nah, nah, I don't, definitely don't know that guy. But he's like, his name's Bracken, and he sat next to you on a flight. Like, oh, that name sounds familiar. But no, he doesn't know me. I'm sure it was a conversation worth remembering. But I don't know who the most famous person I've ever met is. I think you're, like, it doesn't matter what I say, because you're existing on planes ten times above me with just the people I know you've met. Kirk DeWint might be my most famous I think you would say Hunter Ma- Hunter McIntyre. Maybe he Maybe. is at this point. More famous. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I do. Joe DeSena. I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, it's a good point too. Okay. But yeah, you're. It, it's weird to talk about famous names when the person you're talking about it with has you beat on every, every front. Well, I didn't bring that up for any other reason. I was just curious if, genuinely curious if you stumbled upon anybody. I don't know. Like through your years, everybody typically... You'll bump into somebody somewhere at some point for some reason. Like run into people places, yes, but interacted with them, no. Like I rode an elevator with Doug Flutie. Oh, you did? I waited for a rental car with Josh Hamilton. Uh, like things like that where oh, yeah. you're, if, I, if I don't have – if we don't exchange names, I wouldn't really call it meeting someone. My first Spartan Race U.S. National Series in 2017 was the Seattle Super, back in the good old days. In fact, you got me in with Robert Coble on the back end because it was full, mm-hmm. and you pulled your Spartan Pro Team flex and got me and Mike Ferguson in late. As I got off the plane and into the rental car line, right in front of me was Ryan Atkins and Lindsey Webster. And he was like a god to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I, I want to say something to him. But I don't even I don't I'm such a loser. I don't think I, I should or I could. And I never and I'm not joking you because I was everybody was so big in my eyes. And I never got up the courage to say a dang thing. Not one thing, because I was too I was like, he don't care and he doesn't know me. And I don't what am I going to say to him? And then we go. I'm like, oh, my God. And I remember, like, right away, I'm texting my buddies, like, oh, my God, I'm right behind Ryan Atkins at the rental car place. I was texting. I was thinking I was so cool, but I didn't have the balls to say anything. <laughs> Anyways, we go to the, I go to the hotel, and guess who arrives at my hotel in their rental car a minute before me, and I'm behind them again at, like, the days in. There's Lindsay, 
and Ryan. Again, wow. I'm like, Jesus. Now they think I'm following them. And Lindsay takes a look over. She probably doesn't remember this. She looks over her shoulder and she does a double take. I'm like, oh, God. She goes, you look familiar. And I was like, oh. I was like, I, I was, I don't know. I don't know from what. I, I don't I, do, you, do you watch reality TV? I stumbled. She's like, no. And I was like, oh, I probably should have a familiar face then. And that was my interaction. And I was like, I was very starstruck. And that, that's, that was it. I never said a word to Ryan, by the way. It's too nervous. And <laughs> embarrassing. That's awesome. No, it's not. That's lame. No, it's awesome because like you've hung out in Aaron Rodgers' house. You've met and chatted with Jerry Springer. Like you've worked you've interacted with high level or famous people. And then you meet your sporting idol in the sport you compete in and you go right to like just being a, a fanboy again. It's cool that people still can have that effect when it matters to you. That is funny. I forgot about uh, Spartan Race stuff. For a while, they were bringing in celebrities and famous people to do races. And so for one NBC series, Mm -hmm. they had a a couple people come out. Like Randy Moss came out, and I chatted with him. And Johnny Hendricks, who at the time was fighting George St. Pierre for the title in like a month in the UFC, um, he and I chatted for like 45 minutes after the race. And then I think Josh Peck and a few other actors from... Like Red Dawn came out and did a race in California, and we chatted with them for a bit. So I guess that probably Spartan Race was probably the stage at which I interacted with the most famous people, but none of them would remember me. Yeah. It's interesting to think, though, that that side piece about in your sport, in what you care about, how much more weight that holds. Mm -hmm. Where Jerry Springer came in for an interview, and I had to bring him to the state fair, and we hung out all day, and my heart didn't skip a beat. I didn't even pitter pat. It was like, yeah, Jerry's mm-hmm. coming in. Like, that was the day at work. But couldn't even come up in the Hertz rental car line to say hello to people. Silly. All right. Um, you, got, you got one? Yeah. If you found yourself with several free hours on your hands to do whatever you wanted, what do you fill your time with when you're all alone? Mm. Have I already worked out that day? Like, is my training done? I'm. This is on top of that. It's up to you. You could start with that. You could say it's done. But if if you were just suddenly given a few free hours, what would you do with it? Let's say today my afternoon was wiped clean. Let's call it that. How about that? Well, I've already worked out. I've run and lifted today, so that's off the table. Um, I would pick instantly. I feel most satisfied when I'm working towards something, which means I'm going to pick a project uh, of some sort that probably isn't inside to go. It might be something like light like some yard stuff but like i really enjoy that so i'd piss around with that a little bit and then i would go i'd go out on the boat dick around put on some yacht rock or some something on my stupid pandora and fish for an hour or two come back and then this thing i've been doing and maybe because i'm old is i go for drives like oh, if i'm done with work man. by four thirty. I know, like 4.30, and I know Jess won't get home till 6, and I'm like, well, I got an hour, and I'll just head north, and I will just start driving and listening to something I like and just covering ground and looking around and love it. That might be the saddest thing you've ever told me. I love it. It's not sad at all. That's sad to you? I, I, I just never – this is why we need to get to know each other more. I never – in a million years, if we were on a game show and they gave us like 
however many things, activities that your future partner wants to do or enjoys doing, I would have saved that one for like at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, just go for a drive. <laughs> I would have thought, no, that's the, he's got to be doing something. He's either working out or he's fishing. I was. I already scout did hunting stuff. or he's going to do something. But no, he's not going to just can go I, for a drive. Can I caveat it then? So with the driving thing, sometimes it is purely a drive. Uh, it might be a half an hour, but I just like driving. However, there's a number of public lands in the vicinity, so I typically will have a destination in mind, go drive the perimeter roads, yeah. take a look at the properties. Like I'll do that. I'll mark things on my map like, oh, there's a big deer trail that crossed the road here. Like When I get time to go and actually put feet on the ground. So most of the time I drive to a piece drive the perimeter in my truck relaxed while listening to something, some podcast. And that's typically how my drives go. So there is a mission, but not all the time. Does that make you feel better? Or are you still sad for me? No, I feel great. Your face says otherwise. <laughs> Sometimes you uncover things about your partner that you didn't expect to find. I turned over a log and I don't there was see something... this is a negative thing. I'm not saying negative, just totally out of left field. Now I'm nervous to turn 40. It's a good, it's a night to going for a drive, going for a good drive. Who's with me, folks? Who goes for drives? What about you? What are you doing? But you're, this is, you're solo kids, no kids, no Lisa, no work to be done. And you've already worked out. I think those are, because I would be getting my workout in otherwise. We got it. Those have to be the premises. Yeah. My, my like perfect afternoon or evening or free blank is cramming, even if it's short, one extra workout and then fill up a like a tray or something with a ton of food and drink and watch a movie by yourself you enjoy watching movies yeah i'll happily watch a movie by myself i i really enjoy watching movies how is that not sadder than going for a drive i i, I didn't say I don't know. I did say it was sad. I did. I did. That was a visceral reaction. You said that's the saddest thing, saddest thing I've ever said to you. Yeah. Is yeah. That. Is top two or three for sure. Uh, not so good. <laughs> and I picture you like stuffing your face with like chocolates and popcorn and chips all like alone. It'll be salty food. Like, on a couch. Like that's a sad, okay, still a sad image in my opinion. Yeah. And resting it on your belly, like that sort of thing. And I guess even sadder is I'll do the workout before so I can totally relax and check out and watch the movie and not feel like I should go do something. Because it's not enjoyable for me if I feel I should be doing something else because you're just wasting like 90 minutes to two hours. Mm. What kind of movie would you pick? It wouldn't matter to me, but I, I skew action. I, I have no problems with that. Because it would probably be something I don't want to have to like waste time thinking about. Or energy. I've got a free afternoon. I don't want to turn into a mental gymnastics session. Yours isn't going to, by the sound. Nope. Nope. But yeah, I, that that's what I would turn to. That or maybe read. I would just take a few hours, but I'd I'd go movie first. All right. Just... And I would probably eat constantly. You can make anything sad if you want to. <laughs> there, I just did. Yeah. Okay. What foods would be there? You have five. You have five foods: pizza, nachos, mm-hmm. chicken wings. You'd have all of that in front of you. Well, I had to fill five. Okay, that's fair. And then I'll I'll use my last two on two different types of liquid to to wash it all down with. Okay. I don't love eating crunchy, loud foods while watching something. Gets in your ears. So something soft like pizza is ideal for movie watching to me. Okay. We are getting to know each other here, Bracken. This is nice. Mm-hmm. Are you having sec? Are you having doubts now? No, no. You getting cold feet? 
No, if I if I have to be with someone the rest of my life, and their 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 thing that they are kind of hiding from me is that every once in a while I go for a drive. Like that's cool. That's fine. I don't have a gambling problem. I don't love strip clubs. It's not that I have to go out and blow off steam. I'll just I'll go for a drive and I'll scout public land. Good. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it is fine. Thanks for allowing me my freedoms. You got something? Go ahead. Okay, because this is this is where we're gonna start to this is where we're gonna start to to find some things out or lose some listeners. What is the most controversial thing you believe in, or is there a conspiracy theory you believe in? Oh God! If we were smart, we would move on from this immediately. You can you can keep it humorous. You don't have to be like. I th- <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna say it. <laughs> what. What? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a controversial statement in jest. That's like the worst thing you can do because it will just be ripped out of context, and that's it for you. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get in trouble, I'm gonna do it on something I believe in, not not a joke. It's better to then you can say it was just a joke or whatever, and then everybody's like, oh, haha, it was just a joke. It's okay now. That's how I envision it going for you. Perfect. Let's go with it. I will. When it comes to belief, so I grew up in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like an altar boy. I spoke at my first communion, my reconciliation, very traditional Catholic okay. masses. I don't want no sobs. I'm not looking for a sob story here, but my pastor ended up doing the cliche Catholic priest thing to another boy that was close to my age and got kicked out. I was never really feeling it, to be honest. I was doing it because I had to and should. So I kind of parted ways, we'll call it, from there. And then you go through this thing of like figuring it out, right? Like what is, what is everything? And know what I, I struggle with, I hmm. come back to. I'm not saying I believe in this. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's like the idea of consciousness, and we're going to go, where this is a wormhole here, so we're going to stop it. But the fact that you look through your own eyes, somehow miraculously you were created as you and you're lucky enough to be living your life with your thoughts and your brain and your stunning body. Oh, you're talking about me specifically. Oh, yeah, you specifically. And if your consciousness was created once out of nowhere, how on earth can your consciousness not be created again? It was non-existent, and now it is. And so I always waffle with the idea of the fact that if it happened once, it can happen again. And I know that is some left-field stuff, but it's already proven that it's capable of happening. And so I always waffle with this theory of consciousness like... uh, like, yeah, got to come from somewhere, and it can be created and destroyed and maybe recreated. Maybe. I don't know. It's just very interesting. So what does that lead to? If it can be created again, then what's your conclusion you're halfway drawing? I had a moment in college when I was pretty sick, my whole mold thing, and I was reaching for straws, and I saw a woman she was a chiropractor slash voodoo doctor. And at this point, I would see anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And I walk into her office, super sick. She's really well put together in her 30s, like fairly attractive. And I was like, oh, I thought this was some voodoo doctor. But she looked like she was put together, which I just didn't think that would go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be like some gross lady with armpit hair and she smelled funny or something. I don't know. Was that her label? No, that was my label okay. uh, or my mother's at the time. She, she wasn't doctor of voodoo? 
on her on her sign. I don't think that was her official title. Okay. No, she was not. But she had a nice clinic. Anyways, not to tangent too much, but I walk in the door looking for help, right? My mom's in there, and she goes, it's really nice to meet you. And I said, thanks. It's really nice to meet you, too. And she goes, no, it's really nice to meet you. And she, like, grabbed both of my my hand with both of her hands to shake it. And then we went on. I thought it was a funny interaction. And then we're talking and she's telling me about some things. And she goes, I'm sorry, the way I acted when you first came in, I must have seemed strange. I was like, yeah, I was wondering about that. And she goes, you're the oldest person I've ever met. That's what she says to me. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, this is your 18th lifetime. And she starts telling me about myself. Like, you've been around forever. This is only your second time on earth. You don't even like it here. She's telling me all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, that's a lot, but okay. But I liked her. And she actually was helpful that day. And that started my brain turning. I was like, took it for what it was. And then fast forward, and I go to this little couples counseling with somebody once I was dating. And we go in, and she's some sort of media. I don't know what was her this, title was is. Was this I'm part of the show? kind of into the left field stuff, if you haven't noticed. No, this is no, this is just me seeking it out. No, no, I'm saying like couples counseling. You went to couples counseling for just a dating relationship. One time. That's a mature to decision. To see how it was. We had to talk some things out. We weren't even fighting. It was like, are we even a good fit? And we walk in, and she goes, the reason you guys are having problems is, Kirk, you've been around forever. And woman you're like brand new everything's new and shiny and you're curious about it and kirk like you've been there done that like you are an old soul like you've been around forever she told me this this woman again like 15 20 lifetime i don't know this was her realm too she's just spewing it i'm like that's the second time i've heard that and she's like so your partner is completely in a different phase of her her whatever than you are and so that's where you're, you're and then she that was the the the, I don't know what you call it, the nucleus of our, maybe the way we looked at things differently. So after I heard it again, like that stuff starts to stick with you. And so I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying like, it makes you go, huh? Right. So how's that for an answer? Did I just, did how many people stop listening there? You think? I don't know. Maybe we're just hanging on every word waiting to see what comes next. <laughs> or they're, they've moved on to uh, ORM. Maybe they're over at ORM. Okay, that was long. I'm sorry. You probably didn't know you were getting into there, but we'll drop it there. What about you? Hmm. I wish there was a good conspiracy theory I believed in. You could probably come up with something. And maybe there is one. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know what my most controversial thing would be. Probably that deep down at my core I'm a Christian. I don't belong to a particular church, but mm. I am a man of faith, which means Inherently, some of your beliefs are controversial, especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Now, I wouldn't call myself the classic Christian view on everything, like hyper conservative and all of that. But I think that mm. probably that if we dove deep enough into every hot topic in the world right now, my faith would come into conflict with at least a few of them at some point. We And that, and that would that would incite some. Sure some emotional response from either side of the line. That'd probably be it. Hmm. But that's relatable. I think a lot of people fall into that gap. Mm -hmm. I which think. I think is probably what makes one of the toughest parts of organized religion, which maybe that's my biggest issue with the whole thing is the organized part generally doesn't sit well with me. But that at some point, if you're all in on a line of faith, it does clash with 
society and culture. And that becomes the part I think where you, people start questioning, how does this even fit in with anything? And yeah. so I think at some point, one of those would be my big clash. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in something more. I just can't pin it. Mm. And you know, you always waffle about like, well, there's so many different beliefs around the world. Like we can't all be right. So what are the people who are wrong going to end up right. doing? <laughs> right. That's a very tough yeah. conversation. We should move on from this. Yeah. We should move on from this. Bracket. How about that? I'll say intelligent design. I believe in intelligent design. And I think that would probably be a okay, yeah, yeah. a debate people would love to slaughter me in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why did you choose speed dating? Um, I'm not going to ask you that. Uh, okay. Um, what happened on your worst date? Okay. I, you know this about me, but most of the listeners don't. I have very, very little true dating experience because I had mm-hmm. an expectation for what my marriage would be like and expectations for like hard lines in the sand for things I wanted to avoid having in a future spouse. And because I was immature and didn't have a ton of relationship experience, every single time one of those flags popped up with someone I was dating, I just ended it right then. I had no desire to fight. I had no desire to argue. I had no desire to even go down the road to the point where people get stuck in a relationship with things they don't like. And so I I snipped it off at the first hint of a potential red flag. So I didn't do a lot of dating. I think a lot of us did that when we were younger. Yeah. I think that was that's common. I did the same thing as a young man. Yeah. So Lisa, okay. When I when I met Lisa, my longest relationship had probably been 6 weeks and prior to that 3 weeks. Nothing like labels barely even made it into the equation for me. So, but as soon as I met Lee and I'm, I'm not necessarily a, I think everyone has a soulmate. I think, I don't know if I believe in love at first sight or all those things, but the moment I met Lisa, I knew like this, this right here is everything I've been looking for. And this is the person I want to marry. So I, I knew, and I didn't have any of that ever before. So I just locked her up as quick as possible. So anyway, I haven't been on a lot of, bad dates because they're fun until they're not. And I didn't even get to bad, but the most awkward, everything was, uh, the first person I brought home to meet my parents, this was in college. I brought her home and, uh, it's in winter and we're sitting there waiting for my dad to get home from school because he was teaching. Uh, my mom wasn't home and we're sitting there and waiting. And my dad comes walking through the door, just kind of busting in like Kramer <laughs> out of the cold mm-hmm. bus and he goes hey i found this cell phone in the parking lot and i can't make it work but i'm wondering if we can return it to whoever lost it and he turns and sees us and you go oh hey <laughs> and and so she, she's like kind of thrown off by this appearance and he walks in and he goes i'm i'm peter i'm bracken's dad and he has a giant loogie and and, and booger that has fallen out of his nose because he bikes he he bike commutes even during the winter. <laughs> sure. And so his in the Midwest it's very cold, your nose runs. At some point, a huge giant bloody booger came out and lodged itself right on the tip of his chin and it stuck in his stubble. And so he's introducing it and she like is like flinching away from him and he's trying to push this phone in her face and just watching her interact with him, I already knew like this isn't gonna be a good fit. And then we went to my little sister's basketball game afterwards. That was like the day. 
and it was a really she she didn't want to be there and i could feel us not working out long term this whole afternoon but we'd already driven in over an hour to get here and it just took forever mm. before i could drive back but she, it was her car so i couldn't be like hey you should just head out because i had to get back to college that was probably my worst one. It was just start to finish. My dad set the tone. It was going to be awkward and uncomfortable and weird, and it just stayed like that the whole time. Dude. Guy's name, Pete, got it figured out. That's all I know. My father's name's Pete. Yep. He's a good old boy. I like that play by your dad. He knew. Yeah. He's like, I'll wear this one. I'll, I'll, I'll do something uncomfortable to get this woman out of here. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a bad date? Because mine's not a stereotypical bad date. Three things come, three different separate situations actually come to mind because I did a lot of dating over, if you're single at 40, right? I had a lot of years of dating before I met Jess. And so like, there's just opportunity for disaster. I think that's an unfair statement to Jess to say single at 40. Well, sorry, single until I met her. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. For the audience, I want them to know I've got Jess's back. Okay. So I met her when I was 33. Anyways, turned 34. Um, One time I, this is all, all of this is... I think all this is, yeah, my 20s probably. Um, one girl I was really, I really liked. We went on a few dates. She was a TV personality in Madison, Wisconsin. This is my pre-TV days, right? I was selling shirts and pants and uniforms and textile rental services. And I was like, yeah, this one, like, this has got some potential here. And we went to the driving range. She was an athlete. And she, we hit the drive. We did all that. And everything was fun and fine, I thought. And then we get back and I drop her off or we go where we go to her apartment and she's like being really weird. And it was like third date, like it's time to like, I don't know, like get somewhat close in a sense, right? Like I'm going to scooch over by you. Like I'm not necessarily a fast mover or whatever. And she kept like, like I could tell there's an energy wall up and I was like, what? what's going on? Like, why are you being a little goofy? Like I wasn't putting moves on her. It was just, you could feel it. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she goes, I can't do this. And I was like, can't do what? She's like, we were golfing today and I kept looking at your ass and I kept thinking to myself, my ass is bigger than his. I can't do this. My ass is bigger than his ass. And this is a no go for me. And she said that right to my face. And I was like, I respect that. I think and I, that was it. That was the last time I saw it. I was like, all right, well, this has been nice. And me and my little ass are going to leave now. <laughs> And I did. I'm glad she was up front with you. <laughs> so that was one. But it certainly wouldn't have gone well yeah. over well if the roles were reversed. <laughs> you would have had to come up with a different excuse for why you couldn't date her anymore. It was just, a, it was just, it was, it was something where I was like, yeah, I, could, I was just thinking along the day. I was like, there's some potential here, I think. Like, I'm into a lot of, you know, and then it was just like, nope. Every second of it, she was like cringing that I can't be with this man. Him and his little ass. She was a curvy woman, I guess, but nonetheless. Um, the other one I would say was uh, I was doing online dating and, um, and I, was out with friends and I had this woman meet me out with her other friend. I was with a buddy. She brought a friend said, yeah, we're going out. Why don't you just stop at the same bar we're at and we'll meet, say hello, keep it very casual. Well, I had a date set up with another woman the following night that I hadn't met yet either online. These are, I don't remember what app it was or whatever. Anyways, so we're out and this girl shows up and whatever. And then across the bar is the girl I'm supposed to go out with the next night. 
And she's like, oh, my God. She's like, we're supposed to go out tomorrow night. And I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and I'm out on a date with this other woman, but the one I'm supposed to go out tomorrow doesn't know this. And so she's like, do you mind if me and my friend come over? And, and so I'm sitting in between the date of the night and my date supposedly tomorrow night. And somehow I kept them from knowing that any of that was going on. I had great wingmen. It was the most awkward night of my life. I never saw either of them again, by the way. Hmm. But it will. It was such an evening. Like I'm sitting, my buddy has a picture of me, and I'm sitting there between these two women. Like, I am in way over my head right now. I don't even know how to play this thing. That's like a sitcom script right there. Yeah. It, it, was, it was amusing for what it was, but it wasn't a good date. It was it was bad for a lot of reasons. So that comes to mind as well. So we'll leave it at that. That's good. That did happen to me. What's been your worst travel experience, Kirk? You've traveled a bit. What was your worst one? Oh, I could be just itineraries stuck on runways. Hmm. I don't have anything, you know, in airplanes and travel for 36 hours those sort of stories, but nothing got stuck in Mexico city one night with no help. And that was actually pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I can't, nothing that I really would care to bore the listeners with. Okay. How about you? I don't know. Twice with Lisa fairly pregnant. We, uh, had long travels and delays once or like one was New Zealand. She was seven or eight months pregnant, I think maybe six. And our luggage didn't arrive. That wasn't great. On the way home, 17 hours of travel. And we sat on, the, we first had to disembark because they made a mistake boarding the plane. And then we had to re uh, load the plane. And then we got to LA and sat on the runway for a half hour and then missed our next flight. And she's pregnant and feed her. So that was not ideal. We're walking all over LAX. Um, but probably the, the, the worst have been for races. Hmm. Uh, the, the, the one I've talked about before is when we brought our whole family and again, a pregnant Lisa, she's just been pregnant for all these stories, uh, out to, we landed in Oakland and foolishly took the first eating option after the airport, which is apparently just targeted by thieves. And they broke into our car and stole all of our luggage. And so Brayden was little, Lisa was pregnant and we were out there for, I want to say, 14 days. So we had so much with us. And Macaulay had just finished an, a uh, road trip across the country. So he had everything he owned in his luggage. And we lost it all. Ugh. Just like between the three of us, well over $10,000 worth of laptop, iPad, cameras. Uh, we had $2,500 of um, personalized compression gear that we were trying to launch a camp that weekend and we were handing gear out. Like we just, everything, credit cards. I it just, it was, it was, that was a nightmare. Horrible. But that's only rivaled by the time I was trying to drive out solo to Colorado and hit the warrior dash in Iowa on the way there. So I could get my qualifier for the world championship. And my plan was to sleep at this public land gravel parking lot and I couldn't find it. And it was like, 11 at night in raining and I decided to just pull over on the side of a country gravel road and as I pulled onto the side of it uh, it was too soft and too rainy and it gave way and that Volkswagen Jetta slid down into the ditch 
and I ran to the race site, which was a mile and a half away, Ugh. to try to find someone that could tow me there, and no one there could. And uh, so I ran back then in the rain, and while I was running in the rain, I got pulled over by a, uh, a sheriff thinking that I was uh, drunk or high because now it's like one thirty or 2 in the morning. no good. In the middle of the uh, a driving rainstorm. Ugh. And I was obviously not dressed like normally to be out in the rain. So he then couldn't find a tow truck available because it was in the middle of nowhere. So he said, you got to wait till the morning. So I eventually got to in the car trying to fall asleep at like 3, 3.30 in the morning, sitting at like a pitched angle trying to sleep. The only way I could lay was to wrap my arm through the uh, armrest to try to keep from sliding down. And then I, I ran a race. I got up, probably fell asleep at 4.45, slept on and off until 5.15, got up, ran again to the event site, found someone with a truck. They drove me back, towed me out, then drove back to the event site, warmed up, had the worst feeling warm-up I've ever had in my entire life. Like, I was made out of cement, and then ran a race, and then drove 11 hours to Colorado that afternoon. That was probably my worst night before a race ever. Good thing the competition was thin back then, huh? Yeah, and it was a warrior. It was a Iowa warrior dash. It wasn't a Spartan. That's race. what I'm saying. Yeah, it was. But in the middle of the night, trying to push the car back up, getting swarmed by mosquitoes in the countryside. Did you win? Getting covered. In, it was. It was terrible. Yes, I won. That's right. You did. You took care of business. I felt horrible for like 12 minutes of racing, and then my legs started to come alive a little bit. They remember. That does remind me of one. I'll keep it short, but um, me and my buddy um, John Leroy, old John. That Leroy sounds like a made-up name. Were, went up to Canada. <laughs> it's not. He's a stud. He was a nine oh two miler in high school. We ran in wow. college together. Anyways, national champ. Um, me and old John Leroy were uh, going up to Canada on a fishing trip. Pulling an all day, day and night drive, canoe on top. I drove a Chevy Blazer. And it was packed like a Tetris, right? Everything had its place. It was stuffed to the gills with a week and a half's worth of everything. Because we were going off grid. And uh, <clears throat> we stopped to get uh, donuts on the way up at a gas station. And we ate these donuts. And we continued on driving. And we get to Border Patrol, crossing the border. I think I had a birth certificate still then. I didn't even have a passport. <clears throat> Show them that. And they do a quick search. And they say, you guys are going to have to follow us this way. We get there at like 11 p.m., right? It's like he had to work a partial day. It doesn't matter. We didn't get up there till after dark. There was powder from the powdered donuts on the seats <laughs> in the car. Uh-huh. Uh and they proceeded to pick apart every square, I won't say inch because it was in Canada, so centimeter of the vehicle. Everything was opened up, spread out, mm. put everywhere. It took them... They're collecting powdered sugar samples in baggies with little, you know, utensils. Anyways, it took us all night to repack. We were so pissed. It was powdered sugar. We got let go. It wasn't cocaine or anything else. We were so upset. And then we get down the road, and my headlights start going out on their own. Pitch black. Just gone. Out. Poof. And you can't see anything in the Canadian night. Uh -huh. and they're going in and out. 
And then down the road, this is like a half an hour after, we're like, are you kidding me? We're so upset. An owl, a white, great, a white owl, a snow owl, swoops down, hits the front windshield of my car, and gets shoved up in the canoe that's upside down on top of my truck. (laughs) We're like, did that just happen? And we look, and there is a half-alive snow owl, which is the most beautiful thing, in the pitch black in the Canadian wilderness. They're just looking at us with a wing broke and blood coming out of it. And I was like, I don't know what happened tonight, but this is not good. I didn't even know what to do. You have to put it down then? We dispatched the owl. That was just a weird day. So I'm going to go with that. It did not feel good. I felt like something bad was going to happen. There was some omen going on that just wasn't on our side. So I'll say that. That's not a great night. Not great. It was not a good night. We slept in my truck. We slept in my truck on the gravel road. We said, we're just going to, we're done. We're just going to, we're not even going to get to where we need to go. So that's what happened. (sighs) Some of these questions, Bracken, do you You believe in science or magic? (laughs) Are you a thinker or a talker? That's the next question. Wow. (laughs) So you believe in magic and you're a thinker, right? (laughs) What what was it? A thinker or a talker? Yeah. (laughs) I'm certainly a talker. I'd like to to hope that time. I think. Okay, I got one. This will be good. This is a good this is a good look in. Are you a for, are are you a forgiver or a forgetter? Neither or both. I'm a forgiver. I'm, I'm fairly quick to forgive. I uh struggle to forget. And certain mm-hmm. things I uh I don't think my tolerance level to things aligns with the normal human. There are things that just don't bother me that other people do. Or it doesn't get to me. I don't take it personally. And other things that would be seen as acceptable to a lot of people is just not remotely acceptable to me. So I would say I'm a forgiver and not a forgetter. But I will easily forget certain things that other people will not be able to tolerate. And I don't. there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just how it hits. How would that manifest not forgetting? Like, let's say, let's say your girlfriend, you caught your high school girlfriend texting with some other boy, cute things, and you're like, that's not okay, but I forgive you. Ah, see, I wouldn't. That's one of my... And then you don't forget, like, how does... Oh, I'm just saying for an example. Okay. Yeah, but but the issue would be that I would never forget that. I'd remain suspicious forever, Mm -hmm. which is why I couldn't be in relationships where trust was an issue, because I would never forget that. Even if I forgave them, that that would never leave my mind. People do it. I don't think I'm a jealous person, but maybe that's exactly what a jealous person is. But I have the tendencies of a jealous person. Hmm. Maybe I am a jealous person who's not in a jealous relationship. Maybe that's the more accurate definition of who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not controlling or jealous, but I've got the skill set. I could, I could be. Okay. Yeah, I think I could pull it off. I have a hard time with both. Okay. I have a hard time with both. I mean, if something deservedly needs to be forgiven, I think that means that there's like, if you need to be forgiven for something, you probably did something that I think is, doesn't fall on my moral compass yeah, or that you did on purpose. If it's an accident, there's no reason for forgiveness or forgetting because it was an accident and I can let all that stuff roll off. But, Mm. um, who I am slow to warm up, dude, I am slow to warm up. If something happens at Uh, it can take me a while and I want to, I want to move past it. I want to be like, I'm over it, right? I'm over it. We can go back to normal. Everything's cool. Whether it's a friendship or a relationship, I just can't, I can't takes me way longer. And then one day it's just kind of gone, but it doesn't, it Mm -hmm. don't happen quick for me, which is, I wish I could change that. 
I can so. I can get behind that. I think I think what it is for me is that I consider myself a fairly decent judge of who people are. Like I can look at their actions and be like, that's just kind of they don't mean anything by that. They're just that kind of person, and I I don't take those things serious personally. Mm-hmm. But if I think that you're that type of person who is doing this intentionally, I have no tolerance for it, even if it's not a bad thing. So it's almost like intent or judging the person why they did it. Right. Maybe I look too deep into those things. And so some things are just not forgivable because I think that's just you trying to be that person, even if it's minor. Right. But like a really intolerable action, if I can explain it away by the type of person that they are, I can I can move on from it. Um, I just want to move to this next one now because I will go about 15 minutes most. <laughs> some of these questions. One of the questions, who is your 3 a.m. friend? That's the question. My 3 a.m. friend. Bracken, who's your 3 a.m. friend? Are we working under the same definition? I don't I don't know. Is it the person that you can turn to at 3 a.m.? Or is it like your booty call version the of a friend? You can turn to at 3 a.m. The person that like, hey, I, I know. know they're up. So what it, what is it? You're certainly not my 3 a.m. friend because you go to bed early. And I would say you're my 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. friend. I'll text you around 5 a.m. often if yeah. that's when I get up. Yeah. Well, my 3 a.m. friend is the toilet. I'm circa <laughs> day a half an hour at 3 a.m. I am I am up having to pee. And me in the toilet, that's it. That's all that's happening at 3 a.m. these days is like I have to pee and it's right about then. And so that's it. I guess I don't fully understand that's the a, question. I don't know if that's, can you call a toilet a friend? I suppose so. I got another one. I'm curious how you would answer. Do it. What would you buy if I gave you a thousand bucks? No. You have, have to, to spend, spend it. it right now. Today. If it wouldn't be a plane ticket, I would probably buy a rogue echo bike. It wouldn't take a thousand. Mm. That been on your list? Yeah. And so with what's left over, I'm going to buy some shoes. What shoes? I would get the Endorphin Pro 3, or I would get, um, you know what I would hold off? There's a, a Salomon S-Lab, um, Pulsar S-Lab 3 coming out later this summer that I, I'm pining for that one. But right now, I would really like the uh, Endorphin Pro 3s. So Echo Bike and Endorphin Pro 3 is what I would go with. I feel like this thousand bucks should be spent on pure joy, right? Pure joy. Like on pure, like you can't pay off something or, okay. Sweet. I think those are good purchases. What would you spend a grand on right now? Uh, my thing that I'm not buying because I don't need it, but I want it is a tree saddle. I don't know if you know what that is, but um, I for sure. If you gave me a thousand bucks and you got to spend it, it'd be a tree saddle and I have enough room for a pair of shoes. I'd have 200 bucks left over to buy something spicy. What would you get with your shoes? Well, first of all, most people probably don't know what a tree saddle is. It's like a diaper for men or women that you put around your clothes and then you are you shimmy up a tree and you're attached kind of like a lineman or a telephone pole worker. Mm-hmm. It's a mobile hunting setup, so you're just up there stealthy. You're not in a stand. You're just like in the tree, in the saddle. It's got tethers and ropes and things, and it's um, – so that, that that's on my to-do list. So I'd get a tethered uh, saddle, and then the shoes – um, I'm, I'm going to keep buying alpha flies. I think now <laughs> until like, I'm gonna, if I can buy them, I'm going to put another pair in there for later because, um, I don't think many shoes are super. And I ran a workout in the vapor flies on the track, 
That went very well on Tuesday, a split tempo, as I told you I was going to. Mm-hmm. Vapor flies didn't feel special to me. They're super. They don't feel, nothing feels super to me on my foot other than the alpha. That feels like I'm accessing free speed. And so I would just, for the future, if they ever just discontinued, I'd want them when I'm like 70, trying to break a 70 year old man record or something. Be like, those alphas, I still got them in the box back then. So alphas, always and forever. All right. You want to do one more each? Sure. I'm going to I'm going to search for a good one. Is that implying that mine aren't? No, I mean I don't want to just waste my one. Who do you find attractive here? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a terrible speed dating question. You're demanding that they hurt your feelings or lie. <laughs> Unless the stars align and you are the most attractive person True. in your eyes. Okay. This this isn't in here. This actually isn't in here, but I was having a conversation with someone the other day. What are some of the most overrated things in your experience? It could be current trends. It could be food. It could be experiences. What are some things that you just find so overrated? Oh, movies in general. We could not be more different. Movies. I think movies are overrated. I enjoy learning so I love docu-series. I love that stuff. But to entertain me for two and a half hours and I don't learn anything at the end of it, I don't know why. I'm just finding me less like less and less enjoying them. Movies. I, I'm, that's very unpopular. That may lose us listeners. Remember when you said you hated dogs? <laughs> Maybe this feels like that for some people. <laughs> I, think, I think what I would say is that I don't hate dogs. I feel the same <laughs> way about dogs as you do movies, which is you just don't really have much use for them. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about movies. Not all of them, and I can enjoy them, don't get me wrong, but I choose other things with my time now. used to really like them. So that's my first thing that comes to mind. What about you? Well, if I could, uh, if I could, I would watch a movie every single day of my life. Bracken, we can opposites attract, man. Don't give up on us. Don't give up on us. Yeah, you can go for a drive, and I'm just going to kick back and watch a movie. Heck yeah, man. We'll both get our own time. Uh, I'll count the deer on my own. Yep. All right. What do I find overrated? Almost every trend <laughs> that's come out in my entire life, I think, is overrated. So maybe what would that make me? Just a curmudgeon? I think IPAs are incredibly overrated. I think coffee is incredibly overrated. Coffee shops oh, in my particular. Heart going to a coffee shop and overpaying for coffee and sitting there and drinking it around other people doing the exact same thing. I can't think of another thing that we consume. Frackin. I can't think of another thing that we consume that we would want to be around other people consuming it. Like if someone would deliver you a perfect steak, would you be like, you know what? I want to go sit shoulder to shoulder with 40 other people eating their perfect steak. No, I I, I don't know. I don't understand coffee shops. I think coffee shops are overrated and IPAs. How about that, Kirk? <laughs> no, those are good. I don't I don't really like the coffee shop vibe, but it's just funny these differences between us coming out. I For my birthday, it doesn't matter what, I got a multi-hundred dollar coffee maker because it's so important that. to me to have to have the to have that be my thing in the morning and wanting to enjoy it and grind my own beans and have the process be something that feels special to me. I can get so, behind that. Oh, you can. Okay. People who have to go work at a coffee shop, I always think that's the worst of all worlds for me. Worst of all worlds. Explain. Not how I'd want to enjoy my drink of choice. 
I'd like to be alone or with a loved one. Not how I'd like to get any work done, which is surrounded by other people's scents and noises. And not how I'd like to spend my life, which is around strangers. A coffee shop is just like the culmination of what I don't want to be doing with my life. And yet they are insanely popular. So obviously I'm in the minority here, but how about that? Coffee shops. Well, I, can, I understand. I, I don't enjoy going and sitting at a coffee shop. Um, I think clothes are overrated. And I mean that in <laughs> not like go walk around naked <laughs> in the sense where mm. I haven't bought clothes for fashion reasons in years. Like I used to care about how I looked <laughs> and it was important to have a new have a new shirt every once in a while or a nice pair of pants and all this. I mean, anybody who knows me now, like I got a hat on all the time and a t-shirt and I just think trying to look good is overrated by your clothes. I okay. really do. Like I think you don't need to be spending I spend a lot of money on my hobbies and passions. I do, and a lot of them are expensive. The one thing that I wish I could go back and change is the tens of thousands of dollars I spent on how I looked because of clothing. Oh, so overrated. A good fitting five dollar t shirt and a pair of pants you've had that fit just right that maybe are only fifteen bucks beats that three hundred dollar outfit with the nice shoes and the perfect hair every effing time i think clothes are overrated Does that makes sense i love it all right i'm gonna close out by combining <laughs> my most controversial statement and the thing i think is most overrated this is going to frustrate people especially considering that i'm saying this on a running podcast okay i think the single most overrated thing are finisher medals Oh, how do you feel about that? Whoa, let's dive into that. I feel great about it. I want to hear why. Because it, to me, now I understand why people love them. But to me, a finisher medal is the last thing I would ever want to receive crossing the finish line. Because the finish line is, the experience is what you trained towards. When I see people after races complaining that this race ran out of medals or I contacted race director six times so I could get, I had to do that before I got my medal. I feel terrible about saying it, but I always think you're an adult. Like you want a cookie? <laughs> we train for this race to better ourselves and to have a fantastic life-changing experience and you need a shiny sticker? Really? I, I I know there are so many people that I personally interact with or coach or like who will not like this take, but I think we do these things to better ourselves and a participation trophy of having done that defeats the purpose of crossing the line, having put in all the work. The work sells itself. The feeling sells itself. A medal I have zero use for. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. I just have no use for it. And I can't fully get on board with people who are about finisher medals. I would like to see our listenership just. Oh, there's so many people that just think so much less about me right now. We can still be friends. No, they just strongly disagree with you. It's, um, you know, it's the version of a picture. When you look at a picture, it brings back a memory. And so when you look at the medal, it then jogs your memory of that race. And so it's your remind, at least for me, 
it's a reminder and it brings it back. So it, it has nothing to do with the metal. It, you could take a picture and have a ritual with mm-hmm. it. I think for most people it's that. It has nothing to do with, look at me, my good job sticker. I think it has more to do with being able to look at it and as a reminder of what the story is, right? The memory. Of I can that buy day. that. I would assume. That's how it is for me. I can buy that. I could be wrong. And you just don't have memories or care about your race. Remembering races? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say the race is my memory. <laughs> the pictures are my memory. The shoes I wore, the singlet, the scar, the PR, the GPS file. So, yeah, I, if I lump those all in together, fantastic. I approve of that. It's a, If it's a piece of a scrapbook, yes. But as a reward. What about like a medal like in high school? You, you took third place at your conference race and you got a medal that said third place. Is that different? I don't know. I don't know. I guess I haven't dove this deep into it. And I think it, to me, the difference between adults and children matters to me with the whole uh, participation award thing. So no, I don't, I don't lump uh, awards in with finishing medals, but uh, okay. I, I, maybe it's just the whole idea of why do we run the race? Uh, you hear people like I do it for the medals. I have this sick medal stand. It's sweet. And I've seen them. They look awesome. But day in and day out, the work you put in towards it, that can't be eradicated and your experience ruined because they didn't have something for you to hang around your neck afterwards. It's an opinion, and I said it was going to be controversial, and people are not going to like it, but I had to get it off my chest, Kirk. Uh, Do you feel better? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You feel worse? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So, so it'd be like episode preview and then it shows your face. It's like Bracken Crocker hates puppies, <laughs> hates metals. And then it'll be like Kirk DeWitt hates movies, hates clothes. And then everybody's like, boo, boo. Like if you walk out on Springer, like that would be how it would go. Like this guy hates puppies. Kirk DeWitt's older than anyone else on earth. <laughs> boo. Yeah. That's how it would go. I suppose so. All right. I was going to try to wrap this up with some with some pertinency from a very general standpoint, but we're kind of getting there. The question is, what is your take on fitness goals? Like just as broad strokes as a question could get for a podcast like this. Love them. But that is a speed dating question. What is your take on fitness goals? Love them. Love them. I love them. I love them more than resolutions. I love them more than promises. I love the idea of a goal because it allows you to, uh, Go about it in your own way. When you make a promise or you make a resolution or a declaration, you're kind of stuck. And it's really just like you do it well or you failed. I love goals. At heart, Kirk, maybe the one word to describe me, I'm a dreamer. At at my core, I'm a dreamer. Mm. And I love goals. I feel really good just stopping the episode after that. Whatever you, That just made me feel good, what you just said. So. <laughs> I hope it did I, something I love goals too. to balance out what I said just prior to that. <laughs> hates puppies. <laughs> hates medals. Loves goals. People are like, oh, okay, maybe this guy's not so bad. I don't know. Still, <laughs> Jerry's still out. Love goals. I love people. <laughs> Hate participation awards. Uh, <laughs> mine would be, uh, yeah, hates movies, hates clothes, hates living on earth. Yeah. As I was told. Yep, juggling women on blind dates. Womanizer. Loves. Misogynist. Two two for ones. Two for ones. Okay, there we go. I do love two for one deals. (laughs) I'm a sucker for buy one, get one free. (laughs) 
especially in the food realm. Uh, let's stop this before it goes off the rails, all right? And we're done. As always, it's been real nice talking to you, Bracken. It's good getting to know you, Kirk. Really was. Send your complaints to Ian Floyd. <laughs> yep, send them to Ian. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully this uh, got you through your long run or something and you, you kept up with us for an hour 40. Bless your hearts. Thank you.